1: Welcome back, Secret Squad. This week's episode is going to be a real snooze, but in a good way. This is the secret to the best sleep of your life. Sleep is one of the most innate natural actions we do as humans, but for so many, good sleep doesn't come as easily as we would like. To help us, I'm dialed in with Dr. Michael Bruce. Dr. Bruce is a sleep expert in every sense of the word. He was recently named the top sleep specialist in California by Reader's Digest and one of the 10 most influential people in sleep. He was WebMD's sleep expert for 14 years and an Amazon Top 100 bestseller for his books, The Power of When, Good Night, The Sleep Doctor's Four-Week Program to Better Sleep, and The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan. Dr. Bruce is here to teach us all about our sleep habits and patterns and how we can finally get better rest. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Bruce.
0: Well, thank you, Robin, for having me on the show. You know, people don't know, we, we've we met each other before and we were talking just before the show started. And I gotta tell you something, you look like you get great sleep because you don't look like you have aged a day since the last time I saw you. So I'm coming. just letting you know, girl. <laughs>
1: You know what? Thank you so much. And for all of our Secret Squad listeners out there, he is saying, I look like I am ready for this podcast because I'm wearing my pajamas. (laughs) Well, half of my pajamas. I'm wearing a pajama top today in honor of Dr. Bruce and this topic. So thank you for that compliment. And you know what? I do get really good sleep. I've always believed in how important sleep is. And mm-hmm. I do remember our first meeting and it's been a while, but we talked oh. about it even back then. And when was that? We did say that was when I launched my book and I'm going to yep. say 12 years ago.
0: Yeah, Can- that's about right.
1: So thank you for that call. About
0: right? Of course. I mean, I'm telling you something, you look great, <laughs> but you know, sleep is one of those things that's so fascinating, right? Because we think of things like beauty sleep, right? We think about what does sleep do from our appearance standpoint. And to be fair, it does have a pretty big effect on how we look. I mean, let's be honest, if you walked up to somebody who didn't get a good night's sleep last night, you could probably tell before they ever open their mouths, right, you know, you got the puffy eyes, the dark circles, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And there's so many people, Robin, who, you know, are, are having so many difficulties right now. I mean, we, we, I would have to say that we're under one of the most stressful situations that I've ever seen happen. I mean, in my lifetime, probably in yours as well, um, and, and it's a different kind of stress. And it's a kind of stress that appears to be affecting people's sleep in a very particular way.
1: Uh huh. I totally agree with you. At this time of our life, to be so stressed with what's going on with this yeah. pandemic. And yes, we're quarantined and we're in lockdown at home. So you would think, well, this is a good chance for us to get some sleep. No, it's too stressful right now. If we lay down and exactly. get in bed and try to get some sleep, it's still our minds are full of what is happening in our world right now. So I'm sure you would agree that stress is one of the number one reasons why people cannot sleep.
0: So first of all, I'm so glad that you dialed us into this exact question because this is the question that is on so many people's minds. You know, people are coming to me all the time, Robin, they're saying like, Michael, this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm in my home now more than I've ever been before. And my sleep is worse what is going on. So let's break it down a little bit for everybody out there to understand why is our sleep not so great right now? And then some of the things that we can do to improve that sleep. Good, all right. Good. So the very first thing is people are no longer waking up at the same time every day. right? So this is kind of interesting. So what people are doing is they're waiting until the last possible moment. They don't have a commute anymore. They throw on a ball cap or they get on a Zoom call where they, they have their, their uh, thing up. And so nobody can see them, and what's happening is they're not scheduling their sleep. So can, circadian consistency turns out to be the most important factor that we're talking about here. Hold on a second, Dr. Bruce, what is a circadian? What is consistency? Break it down for us, right? So our, we have two systems in our brain that make up sleep. One is called sleep drive. This is that feeling of sleepiness that, that is created throughout the day. The other is called our rhythm or our circadian rhythm. So a lot of people don't know what a circadian rhythm is, but many people actually use one every single day. So you ever notice how you get hungry around breakfast time, around lunch time, and around dinner time? Yes. That is your circadian rhythm for hunger, right? Same holds true with sleep. There's another one of those for sleep. Specifically, most people, at least here in North America, have a tendency to go to bed between 10 and about 1130 at night. That's, That's good, but it's the wake up time that they're being inconsistent about. Yes. Okay. Why is it so important for this circadian rhythm? So when we wake up and our eyes open up in the morning, sunlight comes in. When sunlight hits our eyes, we have very special cells in our eyes called melanopsin cells, and it turns off the melatonin faucet in our brain. This is important. So you ever experience brain fog? Like you wake up and you're like, oh, I can't. That's because melatonin is still flowing in your brain. But sunlight helps bang, Cut it down. So if people wake up at the same time every single day, our body knows what to do. And that's the key, right? And so waking up at the same time every single day, we all get the same start, different times, of course. Some people wanna wake up early, some people wanna wake up late, but it's the consistency that our body really, really craves, which we unfortunately threw out the window with COVID. The second big thing, movement. I know it's kind of crazy. Like, why am I talking to a sleep doctor about moving? here's the thing to remember guys sleep is recovery if you don't do anything to recover from you ain't gonna sleep too well okay and so right think about it so people aren't moving like we're not walking to the car we're not walking to the mall we're not walking you know we're not having our exercise because the gym is closed down and these types of things so movement turns out to be incredibly important so we're sleeping at all these crazy hours and we're being really sedentary okay those two things alone are messing up sleep but it gets worse. There's two more problems that we have to address: caffeine and alcohol. Right. So there's been an increase in both. All right. I, I have some suspicions as to why. So when we look at coffee, the couple of things that people need to understand is you should be stopping caffeine by 2 p.m. All right. Why? It has a half-life of between six and eight hours. So if you stop at two, eight hours later is 10 o'clock. When most people are going to bed, at least half will be out of your system. Here's the big problem, Robin, is people are at home. And instead of making one cup of coffee, they make a pot. Right. And then they've been sitting for 40 minutes at the Zoom call. So they say, you know what? I'm going to stretch. And they walk into the kitchen and they warm up their cup. And then they go back. And then they do it all day long. We're seeing caffeine consumption increases by 30 40 50% in some people, right? And they don't even think about it because they've got so much on board that they're not getting the caffeinated feeling. And so they don't even realize it. And then they're getting in bed and they're staring at the ceiling. They're like, what the heck is going on? Because they got so much caffeine on board. So that's, that's a problem. And then the yes. fourth one is alcohol, right? And so I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody's at home and yes. nobody's really used to being at home this long. Like I, my, my office is now in my house. My daughter is upstairs on a Zoom call for school. My wife has got her home office over there. And so there's not a lot of, you know, Privacy time and everything, and we're all kind of locked in here together, and it's all kind of stressful, right? So, right. what's an easy way to relieve stress? Well, one of them is exercise, but unfortunately, one of them is alcohol, right? Right, and right. so wine time seems to be showing up earlier and earlier for many people. So, let's talk just for a second about how alcohol affects sleep. Now, to be clear, I like scotch, uh-huh. okay? I like beer, uh-huh. okay? I have no problems with alcohol, but right. what we've learned is that alcohol, the last sip versus the time you close your eyes. That period of time is the most important because that is when alcohol is affecting your sleep the most. Many people think that, oh, well, I have a couple of beers, it makes me feel sleepy, and then I I drift off to sleep. Alcohol is an anesthetic. Let me be clear about this. So when you drink, so let's say you go out and you're partying hard with your buddies and your friends and you have three or four glasses of wine starting at, let's say, five o'clock. Then you go home, you're tired, and you go to sleep. You'll wake up about three hours later, Right, because Uh it always happens that way, Mm -hmm. and your brain thinks it's the time when you started drinking because you basically anesthetized yourself.
1: Wow, right? Wow, yes, that's so interesting, that makes such
0: sense, right? And then your brain wakes up at three o'clock in the morning, you got to pee usually, and then you're like, What happened? What's going on? And then you're like, Oh, I, I was drinking oh, I don't feel so good. And by the way, you get dehydrated, right? Because alcohol is a diuretic, makes you dehydrate. People don't know this, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. Just from breathing, you lose more uh, moisture from your breath, almost a full liter of water. So think about it like this. You're drinking, right? And then you get dehydrated because you have to go to the bathroom. And you have this thing called sleep and you get more dehydrated. And then you wake up, you're pretty much a raisin at this point, right? You're like, right? There's like nothing left from a hydration standpoint. (laughs) And what do most people do? Drink coffee, which is also another diuretic and makes you go to the bathroom. So stop the madness, folks. If you can, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. I promise you, it will save your sleep. Number two, when you wake up in the morning, don't drink coffee, drink water. Okay. Drink 30 ounces of water. Really? Before you have your morning coffee? Oh, yes. You shouldn't have coffee for 90 minutes after you wake up.
1: Oh, don't say that.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So what I can tell you is that if you drink your coffee within, within a shorter time period than 90 minutes before you wake up, Here's what happens. In order to get the brain out of a state of unconsciousness, uh-huh. we need two hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. And they're both very, very powerful. Uh-huh. In fact, if you looked at the, how powerful adrenaline and cortisol are and you compared it to caffeine, uh-huh. it would be like comparing cocaine to weak tea. And <gasps> really? just how powerful they are. So here's what happens, Rob, is when you wake up, your brain has got cortisol and adrenaline running all in it, right? Cause it's right. the only way that it wakes you up. Right. When you add caffeine, it's not doing a whole lot of good. <gasps> But if you wait 90 minutes, the natural progression this cortisol and adrenaline begins to drop. Then have your caffeine. It actually helps the cortisol and gives you a bigger boost.
1: Wow. Try it for
0: 7 days. If you can make it for 7 days having your coffee 90 minutes after you wake up, it'll change your life.
1: Oh, I am so astonished <laughs> because Isn't that let cool? me let me just tell you this right quickly. Okay, so sure. so about a year ago, just all of a sudden, my voice became very raspy. Now, I have a pretty much of a raspy voice anyway. So I go to the ear, nose and throat doctor. He scoped it and he said, oh, your larynx is very irritated. Mm. And we decided that in my sleep, I was having acid reflux that I didn't even know it from just a snack I started having in the evenings. Okay. Mm -hmm. He gave me a list of things that I should quit eating and quit consuming. Mm -hmm. And it was like certain tomatoes and and barbecue sauce. And so it was a small list. So so I said, okay, well, I'm an all or nothing person. So I'm just going to give it all up. And on the list was coffee. And I said, (laughs) now, now I don't know if I can give up this coffee because he said, well, how much do you drink? I said, I get up every morning and I have two cups. I don't drink all of it because I sip it. Then it gets Mm -hmm. cold. So I have another cup. And then I have coffee again at about four o'clock in the afternoon. I'll come in Ooh, and that's I, the
0: killer right there.
1: Yes. So he said, well, <laughs> I'll make a deal with you. If you will just have that one cup in the morning I'm, and not I'm have any more the rest of the day. And mm. this was because he didn't want it in my stomach and he didn't want to irritate- right, from a reflux. It, yeah. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll make that deal with you. And so I quit having any caffeine at all Mm -hmm. after that first cup in the morning. And just Mm -hmm. as you were just saying, it made such a difference in my life and in my sleep. Isn't it crazy? It was crazy. And it it took a couple of months. It took really about six months of giving up everything on the list. And my acid reflux stopped and my larynx cleared up, my voice cleared up. But when you just said that about the caffeine, at what time everyone should stop. Mm -hmm. And because I did, I actually noticed a huge difference in my sleep.
0: Yeah, and you know, you bring up several different interesting points that I think people could could uh, learn from. So number one, let's talk about gastroesophageal reflux and sleep, right? Yes. And so this is so a lot of people don't realize it, but you can have. And by the way, gastroesophageal reflux disease (GERD) is also known as heartburn. Okay. Uh So for folks out there who don't know what the main term is. We're talking about gas, heartburn, maybe a little upset stomach or diarrhea or something along those lines, right? And so that can be incredibly disruptive to sleep. And so one of the things that you talked about was a snack that you were having before bed, right? Yes. So let's talk about when is the time you should be eating before bed? What should you be eating before bed so that you don't have some of these disruptive things going on? And I didn't even know I was having it
1: again. Let me tell you that. I didn't even know know I was having it.
0: Oh, no, I get it. I I totally get it. But I have to be honest with you. I don't know how you gave up barbecue sauce. I'm I don't, just saying,
1: I don't Texas. know how you did that. It was very hard.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I said. So, so when we're looking at food to eat before we go to sleep, there's a couple of different things that we should think about. So number one, the body was not meant to digest food lying down. It was meant to digest food either sitting or standing. And it takes the body to clear that food to really get through the digestion process. You're looking at somewhere between 90 and 120 minutes depending upon your age, what you ate, your physical uh, fitness level, your microbiome, things like that, okay? <laughs> so you should be stopping eating large meals I would argue at least 2 but probably 3 hours before bed, okay? <sighs> that will help avoid a lot of that you know upset stomach things like that, but you shouldn't go to bed hungry either. Now, here's a little tip or a trick that I've been teaching people that can be quite helpful. So, number one, if you haven't had, if you, let's say you're you're eating earlier in the day, like six o'clock, and you're not going to bed until like 9:30, 10 o'clock, and your stomach's rumbling and it's kind of hard to go to bed. You're gonna look for a 250-calorie snack. It's gonna be about 80% carbohydrates and about 20% either protein or fat. Now, everybody's gonna be like, what? carbohydrates before bed? Yep. Michael, are you insane? Let me explain the science behind why this works. So what we, one of the things we know is we call them comfort foods, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mac and cheese, apple pie, all these good things. The reason we call them comfort foods is because they raise our levels of serotonin and they make us feel comfortable.
1: Yes. Right. Yes.
0: So if we have appropriate carbohydrates before bed, they will do the same thing without all the added sugar or the processed parts that are in some of those processed foods. So the snacks that I'm recommending are things like, as an example, maybe a half an apple with some nut butter, right? So you get the carbohydrates from the apple, you get the protein and fat from the nut butter, you, you settle that craving, and you go to bed and you feel okay. That's exactly you know, or like my, a, my
1: bedtime snack. I have there you go. almond butter, pure almond right. butter, and an apple. Right. And, I, and, and I see that's, that apple slice in that almond butter.
0: Right. Exactly. And see, so that, that's exactly the type of thing that I tell people. So that way we don't you know, go, to, go to bed hungry. Now, to be fair, there's some people who are like, wow, I don't think I could eat that much before bed. So I have another one that people can talk, talk about, okay. uh, which is kind of interesting. So I created this recipe called banana tea. All right. Now, most people don't know this, but magnesium turns out to be very, very important in sleep. And unfortunately, most of us are deficient in magnesium. Um, It actually runs over 300 different things in our body. It's super duper important, but we can't eat enough of it. Our body doesn't produce it. We actually have to eat it. Uh And the soil has been so over tilled that we're not, the magnesium isn't coming up through the stalks. And so we're looking at people who need to supplement for magnesium Uh to help with sleep. Uh Now, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people don't like to take pills and things like that. So I developed a drink that anybody can create. I'm going to give you the recipe right now. All you need is an organic banana and a pot and some water, that's it.
1: Wonderful.
0: (gasps) So it turns out that magnesium is nature's sleeping pill. Um, We love, love, love bananas because they've got so many good things for sleep. But it turns out that the peel has three times the amount of magnesium as the fruit itself. (gasps) So here's what I have people do. Take an organic banana, wash it off, cut off the tip and the stem, cut it in half, leave the fruit in it and the peel wrapped around it. Take your two banana halves, drop them into a pot, of three cups of boiling water and boil it till it turns brown. It'll take about three or four minutes. Then you just drink the water. All I'm talking about, this is banana water, okay? Uh You're boiling a banana and making banana water. (gasps) It's loaded with phytosteroids. It's loaded with magnesium. It will not interact with any medications. You can give it to seniors. You can give it to children. I got one mom and she pours it into popsicle molds and she gives it to her kids and she doesn't tell them. It's awesome. Oh my
1: heavens, that is (laughs) phenomenal. What is the youngest age that you can give that to a baby?
0: Uh, You could actually, because it's just water, you could actually be giving it to children who are, I would say it would be safe to give to children above the age of five for sure. And you talk to your doctor about it and make sure that it's okay for them to have magnesium. But honestly, it's like eating a banana. So at whatever age, your child can eat a banana, you can have banana tea. Because remember, there's no tea in it. Right. It's just banana water.
1: Just banana water. Oh, great. I, I was asking because I have a brand new granddaughter because she's only- Congratulations. Even, I know, thank you. So I'm so proud. She's only six weeks old, but <laughs> I, I was thinking of, you know, they're trying to put her, get her on her sleep patterns and everything. So of so, course, I would So never... we can
0: talk about that too, because um, I don't know if you remember, but I actually helped Gretchen de Rossi and Slade Smiley with Skylar, yes. um, their daughter, who was having sleep problems, yes. um, right? And yes. so, and so this, is an, right, this is a really interesting topic um, for many people out there, grandparents, parents, things like that, because here's the thing I want to get out there, is a lot of people think that there's this method called the cry it out method, oh. right, where we, we basically put the child in the cage, and we leave them there. Oh, right? I can't even, so, I
1: can't stand the thought
0: of that. Well, well, well just hold on. Just okay. hold on. So okay. it's interesting. So so this is a theory that came out from a professor at Harvard. His name was Dr. Richard Ferber. And it's called Ferberization. Right? You remember back in the day when yes. we saw all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, people don't remember a guy named Dr. Spock from way back in the day. But yes, but There's I been do. a lot of kind of interesting, I know, you and I do. <laughs> I'm um, 67, so it's kind of I remember. <laughs> Well, I'm 53, but I do remember Dr. Spock. But what's fascinating here is this cry it out method. The doctor that developed it, within a year, he came out saying this was a bad idea. Oh, good. But the press got a hold of it and started popularizing it. And so lots and lots of people do this, quote, cry it out method. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. At some point, you got to leave the kid in the bed. Okay, I totally get that part. But the biggest problem that most parents have is they don't realize the concept of what's called object permanence. So I'm going to explain it very quickly. So when you are an itty bitty baby, um, you don't understand that when somebody leaves the room that they're coming back. You don't understand that. That's the idea of object permanence. Meaning there's this woman, she's super nice. She smells really good. She seems to be feeding me, but she's putting me here and she just left. And I don't know if she's ever going to come back. The reason that this is so important is when a baby falls asleep on your chest, which is the most delightful feeling in the universe, okay? There's nothing better than having your child, I'm just gonna tell you, falling asleep. I mean, it's it's awesome, right? It is, that little
1: neck snuggle and oh, yes. Right,
0: but here's the problem. Here's where we're not doing these children any favors Mm -hmm. is because this idea of object permanence, they fall asleep. Now remember, when kids fall asleep, they are out. Right. Like, I don't know about you, but like right. when I lift my kids up, like when they were small, like they'd be like, Ugh. you know, they'd be completely asleep, pulling them out of the car. Like never. Right. They, like nothing wakes them up. Right. 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 So here's what happens is you take a baby who's not going to wake up and you put them in a crib and they're going to wake up in the middle of the night right. and they're going to look around and they're going to freak out. Right. Right. Because the last thing that they know is hey, I was just hanging out with mom and it was really nice and warm and snuggly. And now I'm in this cold crib thing. Like what the heck is going on? And they start to cry.
1: It kind of makes
0: perfect sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Exactly, yes. Right, so this is why when we put these children down, they must be awake and they must learn to soothe themselves to sleep. Right. So there's lots of different ways to do that. Right. Maybe it's uh, that there's a mobile that they can watch or a a, a lullaby that they can listen to. Or maybe the parent is in the room, but the child is in the crib. And if the child lies down, then the parents willing to read a book in a nice, calm voice. Right. And have a routine that the child can follow. And to be fair, it will work. Right. right? It's not that hard. Right. right? People are making it too hard, right? It's it's really not that difficult. So I love the fact that your children have now got grandchildren. They, they are now doing all kinds of fun and interesting things with from their sleep perspective, yes. because again, it's so important to everything that we're doing. So getting back to our original question, which okay. was, What's going on during COVID with sleep and all of these different things? I've named four things that I wanted people to be aware of, but the good news is I feel very confident that I've got some tips and some tricks that they can do now that can actually be helpful for their sleep. So if you're cool with it, I wanted to just kind of lay it out there.
1: I love it. I, I, yes, I am like, I I can't hear enough from you right now. So keep talking.
0: You bet. You bet. So I have a five-step plan that will cost you no money you can institute tonight, and I promise you it will affect your sleep in a positive, positive way. Okay? Yes. So this is the secret, right? Because the show is called The Secret, right? right? That's right. So I'm going to give you the secret right now. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So here's the secret. So step number one is choose one wake-up time. I don't care what it is, but it has to be consistent. Remember, I was telling you about how that consistency is so, so, so important. That's right. So choose one wake-up time. Um, If you want the most accurate wake-up time for your body, if you go to chronoquiz.com, that's my website, you answer a series of questions, I will actually tell you your appropriate (sighs) bedtime and wake-up time based on your biological circadian rhythms called your chronotypes. Oh, I love it.
1: Can you spell that? Can you spell... Chrono.
0: C-H-R-O-N-O-Q-U-I-Z.com. Now a chronotype is like, for example, if you've ever been called an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. Mm -hmm. So when you take this quiz, you're going to see me asking questions about sleep schedule, timing, personality, and things like that. People will fall into one of four categories and then the information's right there. So step number one, one, wake up time. Step number two has to do with caffeine stop caffeine by 2 p.m., right? Remember that half-life, stop, stop, stop. And you've already done it, which which you've done a great job of. I wanna divert for just a split second and talk to people about how to lower caffeine in their lives. Mm -hmm. Great. People need to be careful. You don't just go cold turkey, okay? It's not a good idea. I've had two patients end up in the ER. One of them had a seizure because they were drinking almost a pot of coffee a day, and they just snapped their fingers and went off of it. Really? Caffeine is a highly addictive substance, and it is not something that you can just release out of the body, okay? So please, please, please use a method called caffeine fading. So as an example, if you drink five cups of coffee in a day, have the very last cup be decaf.
1: Perfect. You'll
0: drink your four, do that for seven days. Then your last two cups are decaf. Do that for seven days. Then your last three cups, like just, March yourself out, otherwise you could end up with a big problem. Step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step number three has to do with alcohol. You know, we were talking before about that time frame between Mm -hmm. your last sip and when you go to bed and how you become anesthetized, what do we do? So here's my rule, is you can have two drinks in an evening, okay? After the first drink, you drink a glass of water, okay? Uh After the second drink, you drink a glass of water. When you finish that second drink, you must wait two hours. So if you have one drink, drink one glass of water, wait one hour before bed, two drinks, two glasses of water, two hours before bed. Now, generally speaking, I like people to stop at two drinks. Okay. It doesn't always work out that way. Okay. Um, So sometimes people may go a little more. Here's what happens when you drink a little bit more. So instead of uh, alcohol making you feel sleepy, it will actually begin to make you feel energized. Okay. That's number one. Number two, for some people, it'll actually make them feel aggressive. Neither energized or aggressive is a good feeling before bed, okay? So right. if you can stop yourself at two, I really think that's the place to go. But step number three is to wait three hours after your last drink before bed. That gives you a little bit of wiggle room in case you're metabolizing a little slower or a little faster, things like Perfect. that. Step number four, exercise. The single best way to improve your sleep quality is with exercise. Remember how we were talking about movement not right. that long ago. But here's the problem. Number one, you don't need to run a marathon, okay? We're talking 20, 25 minutes max, okay? And if you can space it out through the day, 15 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening to kind of loosen up everything, that's probably a good idea. There is one problem. With exercise, it raises our core body temperature, right? We start working out, working hard. We start to sweat, our body gets hotter. Here's the thing. Sleep follows your core body temperatures decline. So around 1030 at night, your, your core body temperature begins to drop. And that drop is a signal to our brain to release melatonin. So if we exercise right before bed and we raise our core body temperature, instead of lowering it, we ain't getting no melatonin and that's not good. So step number four is to exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. Really
1: four hours before bed,
0: four hours before bed.
1: What about people who go to bed and have sex? That's an exercise.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about sex. First of all, most people ask me this question. My third book, which was called The Power of When, mm-hmm. is I teach people the perfect time of day to do everything. Would you believe it that the most popular chapter is the perfect time to have sex?
1: Uh-huh. I, I Probably not a so.
0: big surprise. <laughs> <Not surprised. laughs> right, not surprised I'm not surprised either. So let's take a look at the whole idea of when is appropriate to have sex, and if you do happen to have sex before sleep. What, what really happens there. So one of the things that we think, and this is a theory, this is not proven data yet, is when you have intimacy with somebody and you reach a certain level of orgasm, you have oxytocin, which is emitted, which is the love, cuddle, feel good hormone, right? Right. One of the things that I'm suspicious of is when that is combined with testosterone, we seem to feel sleepy. When that is combined with estrogen, we seem to see energy. Uh-huh. Many women that I speak to after having sex report a feeling of energy And complain that their husband falls asleep
1: right right Right. and so so
0: there's there appears to be an energy difference for women versus men depending upon the situation now clearly plenty of women can fall asleep after that and to be fair i'm right now just talking about the male female differences in hormones this could be a female female couple this could be a male male couple Uh right and so we're starting to look at this what is the right time to do that. So the, one of the ways to do that is to look at it from a male perspective, at least initially. Uh-huh. So you need five hormones to have successful sex. You need estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, adrenaline, and cortisol all need to be high and melatonin, the sleep hormone needs to be low. Okay. Right. So we did a survey um, and we discovered that roughly 74% of people uh, prefer to have sex at, at between 10 30 and 11 30 at night. Not a big surprise there. No. Right. No. What do you think their hormone profile looks like? It's the opposite, right? Really? Melatonin yes. is high right? and true. all those other true. things are low. right? After a
1: long day, so true. That,
0: exactly, so that gives you one hint as to when might be a better time to, to have sex with your partner. Um, but then, what do most men wake up with in the morning?
1: The desire to An have erection. sex, that's right.
0: Exactly. Because why? Because their testosterone levels are high, because their cortisol levels are high, and because their adrenaline levels are high. That's right. If, that, if, if that's not mother nature telling me when to use that thing, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So when we look at sex, it may make more sense to, to talk with your partner and say, you know what? It's not, not tonight I have a headache. It's not tonight I'm so damn tired. Exactly. Like, can, we, can we get intimate in the morning and can we have that connection in the morning? Here's what we found. People who move sex to the morning, they find that number one, from a performance standpoint, they actually do better. Specifically men, erectile dysfunction seems to be much lower in the mornings um, and libido issues seem to be much lower in the mornings. Um, The other big thing is the connection is better. Um, We're not really sure why. I have several different theories about it. The biggest one I have is that it's actually light. Um, So, you know- I would
1: think that they don't have much on their mind in the morning. They're up, they're awake and they haven't had time to get a lot on their mind. So I would think, of course, the or, morning is the best time to connect. And, yeah, and exactly,
0: on all kinds of levels, right? Exactly. I and mean, it doesn't have to be just on the intimacy level. It can be on the relationship level. It can, but again, looking at doing things at night when you get in bed after a long day with lots of stress and all these different things and the pandemic is going on, honestly, I would, I would tell people, do yourself a favor. Take a field trip and have sex in the morning a couple of times. Yep. See what happens.
1: Yep. You might be surprised. I love that. I think you're right. Great. brush your teeth first. Yeah, exactly. Sneak out, and brush your teeth, then come back. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Great. So, you know, sleep is such a multifaceted component and there's so many different areas. So step number four mm-hmm. is to exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. Perfect. Now, my last step is step number five. Mm-hmm. So this has to do with wake ups. So when I wake up in the morning, I have a very specific routine and I, and I think it makes a lot of sense for people. So number one, you should hopefully wake up without an alarm. Now, right. It would be great if everybody could do that, but it doesn't always work out that way. Like some people have to get up super early, some people, you know, whatever. So what you want to be, if you are waking up at the same time every single day, like step number one says, you'll eventually wake up naturally without an alarm at that time because your body will set. It takes approximately 21 days to do that, okay? So 21 days to establish that habit and to reestablish that circadian rhythmicity. So that will be certainly helpful there. But when I wake up in the morning, Here's what I ask people to do. Number one, five deep breaths. Before you get out of bed, before you do anything, like let's wake up the respiratory system, like you know, a nice big count of four in and a nice big count of four out. Just wake yourself up. Swing your legs over. On your bedside should be a recyclable container yeah. uh-huh. with fresh water in it, okay? Room it. temperature is preferred, right? right? You should have anywhere from 15 to 30 ounces. Remember, you're a raisin when you wake up. I want you to be a grape. Okay. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. I love it. Right.
0: So drink your water and then walk over to the window and get direct sunlight. <gasps> Remember how I was telling you how sun hits your eye and turns off that melatonin faucet and yes. with, the, with the brain fog in the morning? Yes. Sunshine does it for you. It's so perfect. Right. It's perfect. And so I'm, I'm lucky, right. I live in Southern California where it's beautiful, literally every single day. Um, and so my favorite thing to do for this morning time is And I'll be honest with you, Robin, this is my time for me. This is my time to take a little bit of Uh self-care, right? And so here's what I do is I walk outside with my dog because I love the unconditional love that I get from my dog every morning, right? So I spend a good five minutes just petting him and being with him. And it feels really good for me to be with him because he's my buddy, right? And I got this special time in the morning. And then what I do is I put my feet on the earth. Yes, I take off my shoes and I put my feet on the earth. Now, this is called grounding for many people out there, okay? I don't have a lot of scientific evidence behind grounding. What I can tell you is it feels really good. Um, I don't know exactly why, but when I take off my shoes in the morning and I put my feet on the earth and I've got the sunshine Ah. and the fresh air, like that is how I like to start my day, right?
1: Yes, I love that.
0: And so everybody can do this you might not be able to walk outside and put your feet on the ground because it's snowing where you are. And you might wake up so early that the sun isn't up. So what would you do? Let me tell you, okay? Number one, buy a, you can buy a light. There are now commercially available light boxes. There, I think they're around a hundred bucks on Amazon that you can buy that you can have a light in the morning time to help remove that brain fog. <gasps> very simple, very easy to use, right? The other thing that you can do is if you can't get outside, go to the window, right? If it's still, you can still get it through the window Crack Uh the window and get some fresh air. I get it. It might be too cold outside, but fresh air is so, so important. And that's the other big thing I want to tell people about is, you know, we're kind of locked up in our house all day right right now. Like you got to open up the windows, guys. Like ventilation systems are not as good as you once have imagined. And by the way, mold can be a serious medical issue. So like as an example, if you're living in New York in one of the older buildings, there could be mold in there. You're stuck in there all day. You could be breathing that in. Do yourself a favor get yourself an air purifier open up your windows once a week and get some fresh air you know into your system maybe have your ducts cleaned or change the filter in your air conditioning system remember guys air is fuel for your brain while you sleep it's the only thing that you're taking in for anywhere from five to eight hours at night you want that stuff to be clean and good for you
1: oh wow this is amazing <laughs> information because i love the idea to get up and go over to the window, look out, hey. and allow my melatonin to to stop, to shut down.
0: Exactly. That is exactly. so
1: important. Because Philip and I sleep in a very, very dark room. And I get up an hour before he does. So mm-hmm. I kind of creep through You're the very, as very a mouse. dark room. I bright, know, bright, I I now. Get I know it. the path to get to the door to go into my bathroom. And it's very bright in there because the sun comes up on the art side of that bedroom. So
0: so that's, that's a benefit for you.
1: It's, it is a benefit. And on my nightstand, though, I have eye drops because I wake up with very dry mm-hmm. eyes. I had LASIK surgery, mm-hmm. whatever. So I will okay. take those deep breaths, though. I stretch in my bed. And I, I love it. quietly get the eye drops. And I put my eye drops in and whatever. So when I finally get out of bed quietly and walk through the room and mm-hmm. go through, once I walk Fair into more. my bathroom, boom, it is so bright and sunny in there. And I now understand why I am wide awake. I yep, love that. Exactly.
0: Right. See, so you can use that to your advantage whenever you want. So let me give you, a, let me give you a quick tip. So you know how sometimes at like 1230, one o'clock in the afternoon, you start to get a little tired, uh-huh. start to get a little worn down. Uh-huh. A lot of people think that that's because they have a big lunch, like maybe they had some pasta or some pizza or big carbohydrates. Uh-huh. Not at all. What happened is there's a small dip in your core body temperature that causes a slight rise in your melatonin. <gasps> It happens between 1 and 3 in the afternoon for everybody. But remember, you know the, now, you know the technique to gain energy from the sun, yes. right? So yes. when people are feeling like little Logie between 1 and 3 in the afternoon, don't grab a muffin. Don't grab a coffee. Don't grab a Snickers. Nothing against Snickers. I love Snickers. right. right yeah. But go outside and take a sunshine break, not a coffee break.
1: <gasps> yes.
0: Okay? Get some friggin' fresh air and get some sun into your eyeballs. Get some vitamin D going on, which is a great circadian pacemaker. Yes. And it will relieve that sleepiness that's in the middle of the afternoon. And you don't have to do anything for it. Just go outside and breathe. Like, it's awesome.
1: I was just going to ask you what you think about vitamin D. If that's so important, mm-hmm. make sure your vitamin D level is is always normal. And is that very important to sleep?
0: So it's incredibly important to sleep. So I've written um, some pretty extensive articles on my website at thesleepdoctor.com about vitamin D and melatonin and all these kinds of topics. And so it it is quite important. There's another interesting statistic though, uh, specifically around vitamin D that I think is important specifically right now, uh, which is that uh, my understanding is that up to 90% of the deaths from COVID Uh were in people who were vitamin D deficient.
1: (gasps) Really? I'm really into supplements and how I, I love to read all the time and research and whatever. And so I was just telling Philip just this last week about an article I read on vitamin D because I make sure that the two of us are always at the ultimate 100%. level, the normal level of what we should mm-hmm. be in vitamin D because it is so important for the body, so important. And I recently it's read incredible. an article and I was telling him about it because we take it once a week. We do the 50,000 IU. Oh, you do
0: the, the big dose? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: uh, Yeah. So so I I take
0: 5,000 every day uh, in the mornings, part of my stack. So I have a whole supplement stack of what I take every morning. I'm happy to share it. Um, But I'm a big vitamin D person. And here's the good news for people out there who are kind of like wondering about vitamin D. Don't don't drive yourself crazy. Okay. Go to Walgreens, CVS, wherever it is. D3. Okay. That's all you need. D3. You you talk with your doctor. The normal dose is around 600 international units. I take 5,000 I know that's a little bit more than than is, Mm -hmm. quote, recommended. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of that, and I understand how that works in my body. Talk with your doctor before you do anything cray-cray, but that's definitely something that you would want to consider. But I don't know why everybody is not on vitamin D supplementation.
1: agree.
0: What's also interesting, Robin, is many people don't know this, but vitamin D, there's actually a prescription-level vitamin D that is a treatment for ADHD in children. (gasps) Really? And it kidding. is a great option to Ritalin uh, and some of those stimulants. Um, it's a vitamin D. It's very interesting. It came out about five, six years ago, but many people don't even know about it. But it's a more natural way to help. I mean, we're talking about vitamin D. Right. It's a more natural way to help these kids who've got, you know, ADD, ADHD. And, of wow. course, they have terrible sleep problems uh, yes. as well.
1: I love that. I love that. I've always been into anything natural uh, and natural. Uh, As opposed to anything synthetic So I'm always, like I said, reading and researching And such, but I'm glad that you Said that about vitamin D Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes The best film of the franchise What a wonderful day It's a jaw-dropping spectacle That demands to be seen On the biggest screen possible I need to go Hang on It is our time Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG 13, some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
0: The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, Essential Television.
1: I'd like to take an opportunity right now to do something that we do In every podcast, I do two things with every podcast. And one is the drink of the day. And I think your drink that you shared with us is probably going to be the better one. But we create drinks of the day that are about our podcast that we're doing. And Uh sadly, we can't do this together because we're uh, virtual right now. But I hopefully, when this pandemic is over, we can get together and share this drink of the day. But we created something called Sleepy Milk. And there's yes. nothing quite like warm, soothing milk to get you in the mood for a good night's sleep. And this is, this is composed of one cup of unsweetened almond milk, one half teaspoon right. cinnamon, one quarter teaspoon, right. each of ground ginger, ground nutmeg, and turmeric, right. a squeeze of honey and hot water. You heat your almond milk in a microwave for 30 seconds at a time until it's a comfortable temperature. In a mug, add all of the spices and honey into two tablespoons of hot water and whisk to combine. Pour the warm milk into your mug and continue to stir as you enjoy this relaxing, tasty drink. So cheers. (laughs) This is an honor of you today, Dr. So.
0: I appreciate that. So what's interesting about this drink is it's actually fairly well known. Um, I believe that people call it moon milk um, in some places. And so the ingredients that are in it are actually quite interesting. So the honey, um, can be very helpful for keeping blood sugar stable. The turmeric has been shown to help people with sleep as well. Um, and the cinnamon can do some good also. Now, mm. I will tell you that some people, cinnamon can be a little bit more activating and some people it can be a little bit more calming. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it's almond milk, mm. not regular dairy milk, because we know that regular dairy, especially ingested in late evening, can cause significant problems with stomach upset, yes. microbiome issues. To be honest with you, humans probably shouldn't drink milk, even though I love milk. Um, myself, wow. I, it's really not the best idea. So when we talk, say that this is moon milk, just to be clear, this is almond moon milk. Yes. Um, and this is actually a great recipe and something fun for people to have. So I love this oh, drink. Good.
1: Oh, good. Great. I love that. Right. I, I cannot handle dairy. So if it's yeah,
0: I'm not a good dairy person yeah, either, I
1: can't do that. So
0: but I love ice cream. That's my problem. Isn't
1: that sad? Yeah, I can't handle ice cream at all.
0: I've been finding some really good coconut ice creams lately. Oh, Oh, and did you know that there's a sleep friendly ice cream? No,
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's called night food. Um, I, you know, full disclosure, I worked with the company at one time, um, but uh, it's really cool. It's a, we designed an ice cream that is actually really, it's got an ingredient profile that's favorable for sleep. So it's wow. got the carbohydrate fat mix. It's got uh, actually, uh, it's very limited dairy. It's actually super low carb, super low sugar. Oh, that's um, it's kind of fun. It's called night food.
1: Yeah. Where would someone find that?
0: Um, nightfood.com.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. That's great yeah. to know. That's great to know. Let me um, ask you this. Does the perfect amount of sleep mm-hmm. differ for each person?
0: Yep, 100%. I,
1: I have to tell you, I personally don't need a ton of sleep I, to feel rested. Yeah. I've, I've always felt that way. So I'm curious if there's an mm-hmm. optimal range or if it varies for
0: people. Yep. Yeah, so this is a great question. And so I help people with this all the time, right? And so again, if people went to chronoquiz.com, you'd learn time to bed, time to... But let's talk about amount of sleep, not necessarily when, but how much, Okay. So here's the thing that's fascinating. I go to bed at midnight every single night. Mm-hmm. That's my time, that's what I do. Uh-huh. I wake up at 6.13 every single day without an alarm. I don't know why it's 6.13. I close my eyes and I say to myself, don't look, don't look, don't look. And as soon as I open my eyes, it's still 6.13. I have no that's idea why, my brain is a little strange. That's okay? so
1: funny, I love that though.
0: Right? If my wife did the same thing, my wife goes to bed at around 11 and she gets up at around seven, okay? If she got six hours and 13 minutes of sleep, she would be sleep deprived. For me, it's perfect. So sleep need is individualized, okay? Here's the good news. I have a method I'm gonna teach everybody right now how to figure out exactly how much sleep you need, okay? Okay. So step number one, take your normal wake up time. So we call this our socially determined wake up time. In my house, it's what time do I have to get up for the dog or get the kids ready for school, right? So let's just blanket say, 6.30, just to make the math simple, okay? Then what you do is you count backwards from the morning, seven and a half hours, and that becomes your new bedtime. Michael, why seven and a half hours? I'll tell you. Thank you for asking. (laughs) So the average sleep cycle is 90 minutes long, and the average human has five sleep cycles. Five times 90 is 450 minutes, which is seven and a half hours. So I'm taking the averages, and I'm starting like that. So if you wake up at 6.30, I want you going to bed at 11. Here's the kicker, okay? If you wake up before your alarm, you don't need as much sleep. So you can scoot your bedtime a little bit back, a little bit later, right? But if you still need that alarm after about two weeks, maybe you should go to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe your body needs a little bit more sleep.
1: So the goal is
0: to be able to go to sleep and wake up right about when you want to without an alarm. That's how you know you're getting the perfect amount of sleep for you. Now, one of the things that's important to recognize here is we've been talking about sleep quantity, but remember, sleep quality is equally as important. That's where my tips about caffeine and alcohol come in because those affect sleep quality in a detrimental way. Make sense?
1: Yes, it does. It makes very much sense because, and I'm the same way. I go to bed at around midnight every night, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe a little later. Uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe a little earlier, but I set my mm-hmm. alarm, but I seem to wake up five minutes before that alarm goes off. See, And you don't I've even always need thought the alarm. it was because I didn't want it to wake up Philip, but no, I do. I wake up It's your up internal rhythm. Wow.
0: Yeah. It's your internal rhythm. That's yeah. so, pretty cool, right?
1: That's so interesting. Tell us, how does our sleep change as we age and how do, how can we stay yeah. in control of it?
0: Oh, well, that is is the question of the hour. So um, as I told you before, this year I turned 53 um, and there are sleep changes that occur right around in your mid fifties, right? And so one of the things that we know is that your melatonin production in some cases can start to lower uh, or be a little bit less. We also seem to see a switch in the timing. As we get older, we see a lot of people wanting to go to bed earlier and waking up earlier, right? So what's happening is they go from being a, a night owl chronotype As we get older, we shift to becoming an earlier chronotype. So one of the things that people can expect is, well, they might want to go to bed a little bit earlier and wake up a little bit earlier. But the key factor here is keeping the quality of that sleep as good as humanly possible. So one of the things that a lot of people do as we get older, if we have a lot of extra time in our day, is I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm watching the ball game and I fall asleep. Uh Right? I take an inadvertent nap. Right? This happens to a lot of seniors after they've retired and got more time on their hands every time you take a nap, it robs your body of the ability to sleep some at night. So for most of my senior patients and folks like me who are kind of moving on into that universe, try to avoid naps if you possibly can, because even though you might feel a little you know, bored or tired, it will affect your ability to fall asleep that night. Um, a couple of other things that happen as we age, right? So unfortunately, medical conditions have a tendency to creep in as we age. So sometimes there are medications that we are required to take for said conditions. One of the things you should always be doing is looking at all of the side effect profiles from these medications. One of the things that I have discovered is sometimes the timing of when you take your pill can change how you sleep. So here's an example. And to be clear, nobody should change their medication unless you speak with your doctor. I'm only talking about changing the timing of the administration. I'm not talking about changing the dose and you should not do this without your doctor's permission. Just listen to the data. There's several different medications that can be quite stimulating when you take them. An example of that is a medication called Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin is an antidepressant um, that many, many people use. It's also called Chantix. Um, it's for stopping smoking and things like that. It turns out that this is a very effective medication, but very, very stimulating. So I had one patient that arrived in my clinic and they said, um, Dr. Bruce, I, I, I can't fall asleep. I'm up all night, what's going on? So when we looked at her medication profile, I was like, oh, I think it's this. I said, let's talk with your psychiatrist. Can we move that administration to the morning? We did, sleep problems magically disappeared. Now, this is one example of things that people can be looking out for, right? What could be going on? So as I get older in my years and I start to have to be on medications, hopefully not, but if I do, how do those have an effect on my sleep? The Mm -hmm. other thing has to do with supplementation, right? right? So you said you're a supplement person, I'm a supplement person as well. We really have to understand where we're getting the supplements from, what is the quality of said supplements, and then can those supplements have side effects that have to do with sleep? Because unfortunately, many different supplements are not well clinically tested. Um, In fact, most are not well clinically tested. So we need to just be careful and make sure as we kind of walk into that universe that we're doing all the behavioral stuff that can help us maintain our sleep.
1: Wow, okay, let me ask you this. This is totally a personal question why is it that I can be so regular with my sleep pattern and then all of a sudden I will just start waking up at, let's say consistently at four o'clock in the morning? What does that mean?
0: Yep. So what's interesting about the time that you choose is that there's something special that happens to your circadian rhythm between two and four o'clock in the morning, Uh right? So when you, when you go to bed around 1030 at night, your core body temperature has hit its peak and it's declining. And as that decline continues, it keeps going down and down. And so our bodies get colder and colder as we sleep. Now, to be fair, it's not like we're freezing. It's not like we're shivering or anything like that. These are very small changes in our our core body temperature. But as we continue to go down into that core body temperature, between two and four in the morning, it has to start going back up, which means our arousal threshold is lower at those particular times. So that is the easiest time of the night to wake up. For everybody, okay. Uh So for folks out there who say like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" Your body is kind of at a very light part of sleep, so it's super easy to wake up at that time. So number one, Uh it's natural. Relax, okay. Good. Close your eyes and go back to bed, type of thing. That's that's number one. Number two, if it's very consistent, don't look at the clock. So here's the big Uh problem: is everybody instantly does the mental math, right? They say, holy crap, it's four o'clock in the morning. I gotta be up at 6.30. I got two and a half hours to sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. And they force themselves or they try to sleep. Robin, one of the things that I've learned being a doctor for 23 years in the world of sleep, sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up. right? Right. You're a relationship expert. You know how this thing works. When you're out there gunning and trying to find the perfect person for you, that person never shows up. Same holds true with sleep. It's natural, guys. Your body is going to eventually do it. I swear to you. Okay. Just chill out and let it
1: happen. (laughs) Great. I I was just afraid it was like something hormonal or something, you know, just something else. That's really great to hear.
0: Here's the good news is it doesn't sound like it's hormonal, but for some people it could be. And so if this is something that's consistent, for example, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're really hot, like you've had a hot flash, Uh that's something that you might want to talk with your doctor about because that could be a sign of something called menopause.
1: Right, right. Well, I'm in my menopause phase and I'm loving it. So I, that's not it. Okay. So another question. I'm really fascinated by dreams. And I don't really dream that much though. And if I am dreaming, I don't remember them. Does everyone dream? Do do we all dream and not, some remember, some don't? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. So there's a lot of interesting questions surrounding dreaming. And I've been very fortunate that I've actually done some dream research. So I know a little bit about dreams. So here's what's fascinating when we start to look at dreams. Everybody dreams every single night, (gasps) everybody. Really? Everybody, I swear to you, (gasps) okay? However, we don't always remember these dreams. It's easier to remember a dream if we wake up in the middle of said dream. Right. Let me give you an example of a not so fun experience, but it will make sense. Uh-huh. If you ever wake up from a nightmare, uh-huh. you remember everything about that nightmare, yes. right? Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, that was so scary because you were woken up and it, it stays present. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So when, when we're talking about dreams and dreaming and sort of how does that whole thing work? In order to remember it, if we wake up in it, it allows for us to remember it a little bit better. Now, another thing that people can do is they can keep what's called a dream journal. Uh-huh. So you can keep a pad beside your bed. And as soon as you wake up, grab the pen and just write down every single thing that you're thinking about. And you're, you will begin over the course of time, it'll take about five or seven days, you will start to remember all of your dreams. <gasps> now I wanna give a word of caution here, okay? Uh-huh. Once you turn on this faucet, it is not easy to turn it off. Oh, really? So, be careful what you wish for. If you Ooh. do you really want to remember all of your dreams because you may not Really? Okay. And so I explain this to people all the time. If you really want to start to remember a dream or two, here's what I would say you do is vary your wake up time so that you end up waking up in a dream and then you can remember your dreams. But if you start writing them down every single morning, unless that's your thing. And trust me, I got a lot of creative people. They have dream journals. Like there's some cool stuff that you can do with them. Therapeutically, there's actually some really interesting things that can be done. But again, when you start this journey, it's very hard to turn it off.
1: Wow. I don't think I want to because <laughs> I, yeah, I really right. don't remember any dreams. I, I just really don't. Yeah,
0: You seem very happy and you seem like you're having a wonderful life. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, let the dreams do the dream thing. Okay. And by the way, dreams do have a function. Um, there's two specific functions that we know from dreams. One is uh, memorial processing. So taking information and moving it from our short-term memory to our long-term memory. Uh-huh. This is what happens uh, during REM sleep. The second thing is a processing of emotions. Uh-huh. Um, and so we do know that when we experience something during the day, that uh, there is an emotional response that appears to occur during the dream at night. And then uh-huh. when we don't get through that dream, we have difficulty with that emotional response. That's what a nightmare would be right. Cause we wake up in the middle of the dream and we don't get to complete the emotional um, response to it. Uh-huh. And so we're stuck there. Wow.
1: Okay. Can yeah. you explain sleep paralysis?
0: Yeah, sure. So sleep paralysis is an interesting thing that happens when we don't have enough sleep in our bodies. So during REM sleep, this is also dream sleep. Our bodies stay paralyzed. There's a reason that they stay paralyzed and that's so that you don't act out your dreams. Um, to be clear, I actually have a patient who does act out their dreams. Really? I'll tell you about the story real quick. <gasps> so, I, I'm from a small town outside Atlanta, Georgia, called Sandy Springs, Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, and in Sandy Springs, we're a decent sized hunting community. Um, and if you're a hunter, you know that if you shoot a doe and you don't kill it, you either have to slit its throat or yeah. crack its neck. It's most, right. It's the most humane thing to do, oh, right? Okay, okay. This man who is my patient, who is a hunter, woke up with his wife's head ready to crack her neck. No. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Oh so, god. first question you're going to ask me is did he kill her? Right? He? You're going to ask me, right?
1: Yes, did he? No. Oh my god.
0: No. No lives were spared for me to tell you this story. So, <laughs> nobody died. The second question you're going to ask me, are they still married? Are they? Yes, they are. Oh. She's a very patient woman, all right? So, here's what I'm going to tell you, I and here's believe. why this is so interesting, right? Is um, what we discovered was is he had something called REM behavior disorder, okay? REM behavior disorder is a very serious condition where you act out your dreams. Um, with one medication called clonopin at a quarter of a milligram, we silenced the behavior completely. We kept her safe. We kept him safe. Oh. But here's the more important point that I want to bring up is with uh, REM behavior disorder, there's a 35% chance that it is a precursor for Parkinson's syndrome. Oh. And he was one of them. <gasps> We, before we even saw Parkinsonian symptomatology, 10 years before we saw that, we saw his crazy dream behavior. We got him into neurology and we changed the path of his disease by just understanding what was going on in his sleep. Sleep paralysis was this guy, REM behavior disorder, who didn't have that mechanism working. Yes. We do have people and it does work. And let me explain what happens. Okay, Sometimes it. people, when they wake up too quickly, yeah. they stay in that paralysis state. Okay. So- because that the body is, you just woke up too fast, right? And so anybody that's sleep deprived naturally will get this sleep paralysis happen to them once or twice in their lifetime. Don't be concerned. It doesn't mean something terrible is gonna happen. A lot of people think that they died um, and that their brain just hasn't kicked off yet. So, because you're completely paralyzed. Yes. You can't move a muscle. The only thing you can move is your eyes and your heart is beating, but you're not really sure. I've had this experience many times. Um, and so people think, oh, oh crap. Like I died and my brain just hasn't like unplugged yet. Yeah. That's not the case. Relax. I know it feels like forever, but if you just wait for 10 or 15 seconds, the feeling will go away. Well, I had so the, it, I've had it about, twice
1: within a, maybe a week apart a few mm-hmm. months ago. And I couldn't yeah, oh. yeah, you were
0: probably sleep deprived. Yeah, you are probably sleep deprived or stressed you know, things like that. It can be natural. And
1: I was in bed and it was in the middle of the night. Of course, the room was dark, but I felt like I saw someone in the room, like they had broken into the house and they were walking towards our bed. And so then I'm. So
0: that is called a hypnagogic hallucination. Really? Okay. And that can also occur when somebody is highly sleep deprived. So (sighs) you get this paralysis feeling or you can see hallucinations or things
1: like that. Yes. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I couldn't touch Philip. I couldn't scream. I couldn't I couldn't right. alert him, couldn't wake him up, and, and I kept mm-hmm. seeing this person walking towards the bed.
0: Yeah. So good news, no person in your home. Right. You are completely safe. Oh. I just want to be sure that you understand that, okay? Oh. Yes. Your mind was playing tricks on you because you were sleep deprived or you were a little too stressed or you weren't getting enough sleep. Wonderful. So Robin, Yes. get a little bit more sleep. Okay. We'll connect again, and I'll make sure that you're okay, okay. right? So you'll call my cell and we'll yes. figure this thing, yep. thing out for you, no oh. problem.
1: Can you tell the listeners, when is it time to see a sleep specialist and what type of help can they provide?
0: Well, here's the thing is if you wake up more than three days a week and you don't feel refreshed, there's a, there's a reasonable likelihood you could have a sleep disorder. And so do you snore? Um, does your bed partner say that you stop breathing in your sleep? Um, do you wake up, feel exhausted? Do you have headaches in the morning? Do you have low energy? Are you fatigued? These are all signs and symptoms of something called sleep apnea. Um, there's also something called insomnia that is people not able to sleep at night. So they feel like crap during the day. So to be clear, the national sleep foundation did a poll two weeks ago, looking at the nation, asking them about their sleep. 74% of people said that they get bad sleep at least three nights per week. Okay. This is an epidemic. Okay. The epidemic is sleep deprivation. We have the time right now to be able to be doing so many good things for our sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, I gave everybody this awesome five-step plan Uh of what they should do. And I really, really believe that if they did that, they would have a great opportunity to get some great sleep. If you do this five-step plan and you still find yourself tired, I would argue, talk with your doctor about maybe seeing a sleep specialist. Um, If you do snore, if somebody has seen you stop breathing in your sleep, for sure, for sure, for sure please talk with your doctor immediately. That could be a life-threatening situation called sleep apnea. Um, but you'll know, I mean, everybody kind of has an idea of kind of when things aren't going so well. The good news is there are lots of solutions. And to be clear, as an example for insomnia, that doesn't mean that you're subjected to be on a pill for the rest of your life. There are behavioral techniques. Um, and if you have sleep apnea, that doesn't mean that you're gonna have a CPAP on your face for the rest of your life because now there are devices like oral appliances. So people need to understand that sleep medicine has really started to move into the future. I mean, I've been doing it for 23 years and I can tell you, I've seen some amazing, amazing advances in sleep medicine and what we're learning about sleep. And and now there are more and more sleep specialists like myself that are out and available. Every single major hospital in the country has a sleep department in it and they have sleep specialists that are staffed there. So no matter where you're listening from, no matter where you are, if you can get yourself to a hospital you can probably find a sleep specialist who could be incredibly helpful for you. So I'm here to tell everybody that there's hope, there's good sleep out there, right? It, you don't have to take drugs to do it, but if you do need a medication to help you sleep, that's okay too, okay? That's- However you can get there in a healthy way with your doctor or your healthcare provider, I'm a fan of.
1: Oh, I love hearing that. You've just been amazing. You have just educated the entire secret squad with so much information. I am just thrilled that you've been with us today. So I hope that you have time for one more thing that we do on every podcast, and that is the game of the day. You bet. Okay, great. Because we do a game of the day, and the name of this game is Don't Sleep on It.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: So this is a game where you have to pay attention and stay sharp. I'm going to randomly pull a letter out of the alphabet. I have a bowl here and they've got some letters. And I'm going to ask some questions and we're going to work together to come up with answers that start with the letter I picked. We only have 60 seconds for each of the three rounds. So we have to work quickly. So I've picked the letter A. Okay, number (laughs) one, type of vegetable. Artichoke. Artichoke. A female celebrity. Uh, uh, Andy McDowell.
0: Oh. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Things in an office. Air. Oh, air. Yes. Four. (laughs) A makeup item. Makeup item would be.
0: An applicator, like an applicator where you applicate your mascara.
1: Okay. Number five, a sports team. Oh, the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, yes, yes. Number six, popular song title. Uh,
0: oh. America the Great. America. Oh, American Pie.
1: American Pie, yes. Okay. Uh, America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful, yes. Grocery item. Uh, apples. apples <laughs> Okay. And how many seconds? <gasps> we did it in 53 seconds. Okay, round two. ice you picking another letter. Okay, the letter S. Go. Men's fashion item. Suspenders. Uh, suit. Yes. Something soothing.
0: Um, something soothing. Sound.
1: Yes. A U.S. city, Seattle. I just gave it. Yep. And for a movie.
0: Oh. Uh, a movie.
1: Sleepless in Seattle.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's a good one.
1: Okay. Morning <laughs> activity. We just talked oh, about
0: it. Oh, morning activity? Sex, baby sex. sex. sex.
1: <laughs> okay, sugary things.
0: Oh my gosh. Snickers.
1: Yes.
0: Sweet buns.
1: Yes. Ooh, I yeah. love sugary I'm things. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Okay. Type of Me too. pet. A snake. Type, snake. Yes. My son had a pet snake. Okay. How long did we do that? Oh, 50 seconds. Okay. Here's another letter. It's our last round. M. Okay. Like Starting with the first one a breakfast food. Muffins. Oh, perfect. Two, a famous singer. Madonna. Oh.
0: Oh, there you go. Oh,
1: yay. Number three. Things found in a bedroom. Uh, melatonin. F- perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Number four. An herb or spice.
0: Well, we kind of got stuck on melatonin again.
1: Oh, yes, that's good. That's good. Okay. Breed <laughs> a breed of dog.
0: Oh, a breed of dog. Maltese. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Maltese, I like those. Those are super cute.
1: Oh, I've got the next one already. A cocktail would have to be the margarita.
0: Manhattan. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, a Manhattan.
1: Manhattan, that's very good.
0: I live in Manhattan Beach.
1: Oh, yes, Manhattan. (laughs) Okay, number seven. A side effect Mm -hmm. of sleep deprivation.
0: Oh, moodiness.
1: Moodiness. How long? Oh, 54 seconds.
0: We are
1: good at this game. We are okay. Thank you so much for playing it.
0: Of course, this was super fun.
1: I love playing games. I think everyone should play a game before they go to bed at night. Have some so. So you know,
0: there's actually data to suggest that optimism before bed actually helps you fall asleep more quickly and gives you more positive dreams. <gasps> so really? I have, yeah, I have couples who actually they like during COVID they've been bringing out like old photo albums. Yeah. And like going like having all those happy times, yeah. like looking through all those fun times together. <gasps> And, uh, and going to sleep and their dreams are very positive. Or a gratitude list is another oh. thing I'm a big fan of is just before bed, doing our gratitude. Again, there's data to show that it can help with sleep.
1: Oh, I love that. A gratitude list every night before bed. Oh yeah. Well, that brings us to the end. It was so wonderful. I really want you to come back.
0: And so number one, of course, <laughs> I would love, love, love To come back and spend more time with you i've had so much fun on this podcast you're so much fun to hang out with and have great great discussions with so Uh yes 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 i will be back
1: oh thank you so much because i just know that the information you shared today was life changing for our listeners i'm just thrilled that you have agreed to come back now can you tell the secret squad where to find out more about you on social media
0: you bet so if people wanna learn more, you can go to www.thesleepdoctor, doctors all spelled out, .com, um, where you can find a tremendous amount of information surrounding sleep. I have the same handle on social and my newest project is called rested.health. Check it out.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. And as always, Secret Squad, make sure to go to I've Got a Secret with Robin com for behind the scene extras from this episode. And you'll also find the recipe for our drink of the day. I'll see you next week. Oh, yeah. Sweet dreams. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Bye-bye.